0: Welcome to The Cobot Show, the podcast that breaks down the barriers of industrial automation. My name is Danielle Marlette from Universal Robots, and this podcast is another exciting guest podcast. We have the opportunity to listen to Brian Pesta with Eckart interviewing Joe Campbell, head of marketing for North America, and Brian Connor, channel development manager from Universal Robots. They discuss various applications that the barriers of entry are reducing for with Cobot's how we're able to work with companies that need a flexible solution to increase productivity or work into a second or third shift while still working side-by-side with an operator, and how manufacturing is changing in the next few years. Let's take a listen.
1: All right, hi guys, thanks for joining us. We're uh, talking with Universal Robots today. Joined with Brian Connor, who's the channel development manager based out of Chicago. He covers a few uh, Midwestern states. We also have Joe Campbell, who's the head of marketing for North America, based out of Michigan. Really appreciate you guys' time today. Um, Brian, let's start with you. Uh, where are you at, and uh, what does a typical day look like for you?
2: Absolutely. First of all, thanks for having us on, Brian. We certainly appreciate it. Um, yeah, as, as you mentioned, I'm the, the channel development manager here, based out of the Chicago area, um, really a typical day for me is uh, is working very closely with our distribution partners as well as our key systems integrators. Um, I do have a, a number of those that I work with across my territory. Um, I'm also kind of going along with them, hopping into plants. So I do spend a lot of time getting to interface with plant managers, operations managers, et cetera, of a lot of uh, local Midwest uh, manufacturing facilities. So really when I'm, uh, you know, not doing all that I'm usually you know following up and and seeing kind of where we're at on on different projects and trying to just find the next person I can help automate
3: got it thanks and you Joe yeah well I'm based in uh, sunny Michigan a suburb of Detroit and uh uh, unlike Brian who has an opportunity now to travel every now and then the uh (laughs) the universal marketing team is uh is still pretty much on heavy lockdown. So I have a team scattered across the US and uh, we are all working from home and uh, making the best of it. Um, our job has been complicated since uh, the 6th of March uh, by a need to immediately pivot and transition to digital marketing uh, rather than the uh, trade show experience that was such a, you know, a key component of our marketing activities. So right now it's, um, program after program, campaign after campaign, and kind of orchestrating the efforts of the whole team.
1: Got it. So speaking of uh, the fun and interesting times we're in right now, uh, how has UR navigated this first wave of COVID-19 and what are you guys seeing out there? Are things kind of getting back to normal or, or what's going on?
3: Well, first of all, I think we did a very, very sound job of preparing for the pandemic. And in that regard, we were very much uh, helped by our parent company, Teradyne. Uh, Teradyne is in the electronics test business and they have a huge footprint in uh, China and you know other Far East countries. And so they actually got a very, very close upfront look at the pandemic as it started to unfold And uh, they very wisely took a look and said, it's coming to the US It's just a question of time. Um, And so they really started making preparations. So Universal uh, prepared, we actually went out to our supply chain. We secured supply from uh, multiple vendors. Uh, We actually staged robots on uh, all major continents that were active in because we weren't really clear what the shipping uh, lanes were gonna look like as the pandemic unfolded. Um, So we were really well well equipped on the manufacturing side. Um, On the sales side, I think Brian can attest, it's, um, it's been difficult, but it has not been impossible at all. There are many customers that are still making investments built around programs and uh, and that's continuing. Uh, we of course like to see a little bit more volume, but it is continuing. We're also seeing a lot of investment from companies that are wrestling with the COVID crisis. And they're investing now in collaborative technology to do social distancing uh, within their product lines. And uh, we have some reshoring programs going on. And then finally, I think the other challenge we've seen is companies are really wrestling with flexibility. They're starting to realize that uh, they have to build flexibility into their operations uh, because, uh, as this recent chain of events has shown us, you can't uh, you can't rely on stability forever. And um, so we see a lot of a lot of interest and a lot of activity at that point.
1: Awesome. And Brian, can you? Uh... Can you test that as well? Are you starting to see customers, you know, wake up, and are you starting to get on the road a little bit more?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We're we're starting to see a lot more activity. I think uh, if anything, you know, COVID has has possibly started to get more companies considering automation. They're, it's really starting to get to the point that people are calling in and just saying, "Look, you know, I didn't really know that I needed this. I didn't know that, uh, you know, this was going to be such an important step for our organization." Uh, but with social distancing guidelines and such, people are realizing pretty quickly that you know you could possibly place a cobot right in between two of your workers on a line, maintain the social distancing guidelines, and and increase throughput through that. So uh, more and more companies do seem to be opening back up. It's getting a, a little bit easier to go in and visit customers and and get in there and uh, really being able to to walk a plant floor, talk to the product. Uh, or talk to the automation engineers, talk to the plant managers, and really just start diving into how we can help out. It's, it's really starting to open up a lot of doors for us. So certainly seems as if right now anyways, knock on wood, that we're, you know, starting to, starting to get into a little bit better position.
1: Good, good. Well, let's talk about the technology. Um, Cobots have certainly been a hot trend in industrial automation recently. Um, you guys started in 2008, uh, it's been 12 years now. Can you guys talk about maybe how the technology has grown and adapted over those 12 years?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, 2008 is when Universal Robots produced the first commercially viable collaborative robot uh, to hit the market. Uh, since then, we've gone through several iterations of this cobot, all of them looking similar, but a lot of good changes under the hood. Uh, one of the, I guess, more landmark um, releases would have been the E-Series back in 2018, uh, really just uh, improving the speed of the robot in terms of the bus speed, um, making the robot uh, a lot quicker to react in terms of safety, adding uh, different safety features. We're up to 17 different unique safety features on the E-Series robots now. Um, we've integrated a force torque sensor into the robot as well at the wrist, which really helps with uh, force controlled tasks such as you know finishing, uh, We've also, you know, to look at technology around the COBOTs, uh, we recently released Actinav, which is a bin picking solution, uh, including active path planning. So that's something new that we've uh, been working on and how that technology has been growing. Another key thing that Universal Robots has done is um, we've kind of instituted a quarterly uh, cadence of releases of what we call Polyscope, which is the software that's on the COBOT um there's brand new features that are packed into these polyscope uh, updates that are free of charge to uh, all of our users out there um one nice thing uh, that's been added recently that we can hit on is what we call active free drive this is a uh, pretty cool feature that allows you to, while programming the robot, lock certain axes. So you can, uh, you know, kind of put the robot into a SCARA mode, for example. Uh, you can lock the Z-axis. Uh, you could do different things to really help in, in programming. So again, this is a, was a free release that was added, but it's just another instance of how the technology has been advancing and what Universal Robots is doing to play their part in, uh, you know, making the user experience as, uh, as seamless and as, uh, you know, Uh, fun as possible.
1: Yeah, I remember sitting on a a recent webinar on the Actinav technology, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of emphasis is on the ease of programming, right, and having the operator actually getting it up and running right in the cell.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So with Actinav, I mean, it really is, you know, you're you're teaching uh, the parts, you're teaching the environment, you can load in your CAD models of whatever the part is that you're picking. Uh, and then you're you're teaching it where it can pick on that part to get it out of the bin, and teaching it where to place it. And then the uh, the software itself is actually um, creating the path between those points. So you're not having to, you know, control this, and you're not having to uh, determine every every path that would need to be set up for this based off of where it's picking from the bin. All of that's done behind the scenes. So. Uh, ease of use is definitely what it is. We've got, you know, some of our uh, partners that that have their demo units of Actinav that'll say, you know, once the um, environment is taught to the system and they teach the part within a half an hour or so, they're they're setting up and uh, and running an actual pick and place out of that bin, which is pretty impressive when you compare that to uh, to some of the other products on the market.
3: Yeah, we're it. getting we're getting great feedback too from systems integrators because the product really just strips out the the time and the risk associated with a bin picking application. Yeah. Bin picking obviously traditionally viewed as uh, difficult, demanding, uh, high risk. Frankly, and it has been for twenty years. Sure. But yep. uh, the AcuNav product really strips that risk out, and integrators are starting to deploy it now with confidence.
1: Awesome! Great to hear. All right, Joel, let's switch over to you and talk a little bit about labor. And again, from another web, uh, webcast that we were on with UR, we noticed you guys were talking about three out of five manufacturers say that there's a labor and skill shortage within their own factories. Are you guys seeing that in, you know, really remote areas in the U.S., or is that, you know, across the country, or where do you it's, guys see that?
3: It's literally across the board. I mean, I think uh, I, I've yet to, to meet a plant manager or manufacturing manager uh, who's not struggling to hire, and the scary thing is, even in this pandemic era right and with terrible horrific unemployment that we're that we're suffering under manufacturing still has a shortage, a significant shortage of of skilled um, skilled personnel to bring out in the manufacturing floor and unfortunately the you know the unemployment that we're seeing today uh, that's not going to translate into skilled manufacturing workers. Um, it's just an unfortunate fact of life. It's, it's very much built around the demographics. And in spite of the pandemic issues that we're facing today, the demographic issues don't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the numbers that I really, I really like to bring people to the future with is, we have 10,000 baby boomers retiring every day. And actually that number is increasing because there are many of the older manufacturing workers who are retiring maybe a year or two years ahead of schedule because of the environment today, right? They're high risk and they they recognize that. Um, 27% of the manufacturing workforce is 55 years or older. I mean, that means with no growth in the business, you're gonna look at replacing 25 to 27% of your manufacturing workforce in the next 10 years. And the scary part is if you can't hire today, you're having difficulty hiring today, what's that gonna translate into over a 10 year period? Right. And so the projections are really significant. And um, you know, I'm still talking to manufacturing uh, people who cannot hire. Um, and it's, uh, it's a place where automation can plug in and fill the gap. I think the other transition that we're seeing is there's still a lot of turnover in manufacturing from people who really don't wanna do the dull, dirty, and dangerous jobs. And, and so I think a lot of manufacturers are waking up to the fact that they should automate those tasks, right? And allow their skilled workforce to do the higher value processes. Yep.
1: Yeah. Do you guys have a few examples of maybe how cobots are being used today to bridge that, that labor gap today and, and moving forward as it increases?
3: Yeah, it's really across the board as shops, large and small. Um, But I'll give you a good example of a small shop that actually faced a kind of a double-edged sword. Um, They were wrestling with uh, with the COVID situation, and they were struggling to figure out how to get social distancing on a floor. And we've all been in small machine shops. They're not known for having excessive floor space, right? right? They're very compact and the machines are compact and and that's just the way they're laid out. So what this owner did, he was a UR COBOT user, but he redeployed his COBOTs, right? They were very flexible. And he actually spread out his shift. He moved one shift to Saturday and he actually started a third shift overnight that was totally unmanned, all automated. And at the end of the day, he was able to get the social distancing he wanted. His employees were comfortable coming to work because they really felt that they, the situation was cleaned up and was very, very good for them. And he increased production and increased bottom line productivity, right? So it's just, a it's a great story for how flexible collaborative automation can impact a business, large or small.
1: Got it, that's great to hear. Um, Brian, let's go back to you. Um, what application sure. areas or, or industry trends are you seeing out there that's exciting the you team?
2: Uh, there's a number of those. Um, so just like every other robot company, I mean, Universal Robots really got their start in material handling, machine loading and unloading. Those were always the kind of the go-to applications. Uh, as of late, though, we're really starting to see a little bit of a shift in this. I mean, of course, we're still prevalent in the material handling, the packaging, palletizing, machine loading, unloading arenas. Uh, but we're moving a lot more into the process industries as of late, those would be things like welding, like grinding, like deburring, uh, dispensing. Uh, these are all active uh, industry focuses for us right now uh, that we're also seeing a number of partner companies uh, coming up with great solutions built around the universal robots, collaborative robots. It's, uh, it's really some some exciting areas for us right now and it's getting a lot of different types of shops to consider collaborative automation. Another big one right now is um, the bend picking as we kind of hit on earlier with active path planning. Uh, That's a a really big trend right now. I mean, bend pickings, you know, pretty much always been considered the holy grail of vision, right? It's something that is, uh, was always difficult to figure out, always difficult to solve. Um, But with the uh, act and have solution with that active path planning, it's really uh, bringing the the barrier to entry down quite a bit in terms of uh, the learning aspect. Uh, Vision inspection is another good one. We're seeing more and more companies uh, throwing, uh, you know, vision inspection cameras on the wrist of the robot and having the the robot move around a larger part to inspect it. Uh, That's a a big thing right now. And really kind of, you know, anything with uh, AI in general, um, artificial intelligence with the robots is becoming uh, quite quite the hot topic as of late. Um, And with this path planning, I mean, we've got, you know, working with companies that are focused on, you know, being able to scan a part, and then it can create the paths for surface finishing, for example, all from, you know, no teaching of any waypoints. You just put a part under a uh, camera, let it scan all the surface, and even with curvature or anything else to the part, uh, you know, the software that they've built can actually interpolate the entire path and and do the surface finishing of this product. You know, I think they call it kind of like a, a scan and sand system. Uh, which requires no programming. So it's just things like that to to make the ease of use, you know, something that, you know, we were excited. We had such an easy to use COBOT, so easy to teach it. And, and there's more and more things evolving around this technology where now you can just scan apart and, uh, you know, and sand it. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing what's going on, but there's a lot of stuff in the industry that's uh, going on right now that make this a very exciting time.
1: Awesome. Do you have maybe one unique example that you can share with us? Um, yeah, I mean,
2: one, one really good one, if we want to kind of continue on that surface finishing, um, is that, uh, you know, we've got a customer that's using these for for polishing of uh, very high gloss, very high end speakers, uh, which is a a pretty cool application to, to see them kind of go from kind of the raw parts to, uh, you know, the nice shiny black speakers that you would uh, see in kind of those high end audio stores. So that's kind of a, a cool one on the finishing side.
3: Yeah and I think the other thing that makes it really interesting is to watch the operator work literally side by side with the yeah. cobot, right so the cobot's doing the the first two primary passes and then the operator's putting on the final 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 buffing the final finish the most skilled part it's a great example yeah. where you've taken the operator out of the you know the 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 dull and dirty piece of the process and let the operator focus on the on the very high skilled end of the process
2: yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The other nice thing with that is that you know you get a very consistent finish when you're doing this with a cobot. That that's one of the keys and one of the main reasons yep. they wanted to do it. If you hand a you know a buffing tool to uh, to five different people, uh, you know they're all going to apply a little bit different force to it. They're all going to you know maybe go in a little different pattern as they go across. So you're going to get a a very consistent finish when you do this with a cobot because it will follow the same path with the same amount of force in the z direction at all times so you keep that in mind from a buffing and polishing standpoint or a sanding standpoint or really becomes a, a great way to automate something to get consistent results sure
1: yeah you mentioned uh, vision inspection I'll share my screen really quickly here uh, you, sure guys, you, you guys you need- guys
3: have a good application
1: Absolutely. Yep. This is a vision inspection system we just implemented with a customer. Um, This is a front fascia of an autonomous vehicle. You can imagine the demand for these is just skyrocketing over the next five to 10 years. But um, these two URs are doing, I think, just under 60 unique inspection points, um, doing absence presence checking. And you can just imagine the amount of different sensors and electrical components that are going to be Needed on on you know different parts of a car moving forward for for autonomous vehicles to move safely. So um, really really cool application that we're excited about here.
3: Yeah, but well, I think the other, I think the other trend we're seeing is um, we're seeing a lot of uh, our cobots being deployed into metrology applications mm-hmm. uh, where they're actually manipulating either a complex sensor head over a complex part. Uh, or in the case of one UR Plus partner, UScale, they actually have a, a servo-driven, uh, ultra-high precision, high-resolution gripper. Mm-hmm. So this is a part that actually can grip and do ID and OD measurement checks uh, in the in, within the process. So I, I think that's an emerging trend as well.
1: Yeah, lots of exciting application areas out there, especially Absolutely. as the technology continues to, to improve, so... Um, okay, Joe, we'll turn it over to you for one of the last ones here. Um, what do you think an American factory looks like over the next few years and maybe thinking longer term, you know, 10, 15 years? Yeah. Is it drastically different or, or how does automation play a role there?
3: I think it's going to be dramatically different. Uh, so first of all, I think we have this labor issue that's uh, going to be with us for quite a while. Okay. Uh, and automation is going to be a large, large part of the solution there. It's not the only part of the solution because we still have to make manufacturing more attractive to our young people. Um, you know, I don't care whatever generation label you want to put on it. Um, younger generations do not want to go into a traditional factory role.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's, just, it's just very clear. So I think the the long-term play, we're going to see a tremendous amount of automation attacking the dull, dirty, and dangerous tasks. And I think our workforce in the factories are going to be playing a much, much, higher value, higher level role. It's going to require it's significantly more training and skill set, but that is certainly achievable. I think the other point about collaborative technology is that um, tra- traditional automation is what, what I call all or nothing proposition. If you have a 10 step process in the traditional attack, you have to automate all 10 steps mm-hmm. or the project won't justify. But with collaborative technology, it's very incremental. So if you have a 10 step process, you can pick the steps in that process that are the most difficult, uh, the highest quality problems, or the worst conditions for your team and automate those one at a time. And I think that is gonna sweep through manufacturing. I think the second big trend we're gonna see is that manufacturing automation on the whole is going to come to the small and medium enterprise.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: We're doing it today. We see it every day. I know Brian does. because we talk about yeah, it? Absolutely. We're, sell, we're selling to people that in, in my 40 year career in traditional automation, I never would have made a sales call on because they were too small sure. and they didn't have the team. They didn't have the expertise and they couldn't afford it. But today, Those are very, very solid customers for us and they're gobbling up automation as fast as they learn about it. I think if you project out 10 years, you're gonna see wave after wave of automation in the small and medium enterprise.
2: Got it. I would agree. I mean, well over half of the things I'm doing are with companies that probably have less than 50 people employed interesting. It's, it's amazing to see these guys being able to take advantage of this type of technology, really reduce the barriers to entry for these small to medium sized companies, and, and let them kind of get a taste of what automation can do to their bottom
3: line. Yep. 90% of the 90% of the manufacturing businesses in the US have less than 100 employees. Right, so it's a huge market and it's just yep. going to continue to grow.
2: And that's almost a quarter million companies too, right then mm-hmm. think about 90% of those being Small. Under 100 people, that's that's the majority of the, uh, you know, American manufacturing right there.
1: Yeah, it's good to see the trend moving that way and hopefully that will allow them to stay competitive in the long term
3: though. Absolutely. Well, I think the other trend that we see is there are, and we'll put a plug in for you guys, right? We're seeing skilled integrators who are figuring out how to solve that model,
1: mm-hmm.
3: right? You can't take a traditional approach to these incremental collaborative projects. So we're seeing, we're seeing good integrators uh, solve that equation and they're gonna be a big part of the solution because as many people as we meet that can do it yourself, mm-hmm. in many cases, it's not the best business decision to do it yourself, sure. right, They're far better off to bring in a skilled integrator and get that project done. Yeah. Yep,
2: start realizing that ROI immediately.
3: Yep,
1: absolutely. All right, guys. Well, I think uh, I think that's a wrap. Can't thank you guys enough for your time. Brian and Joe, I'm sure we'll be uh, having discussions similar to this very soon. So uh, thanks again. You
2: thank you, Absolutely. Brian. Appreciate thanks it for everyone. having us. All right. Take care. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Bye everyone. Now.
0: now we have a slew of automation information coming your way. So if you aren't already following The Cobot Show, follow us on Spotify or now on Apple Podcasts. In this episode and many others are also available on our website at universal-robots.com podcast. And if you have a specific question about something we discussed today, if you're looking for your next steps in automation, or you have a suggestion for a future podcast, send us an email at ur.na at universal-robots.com. Thanks for listening.